Good morning. Welcome back to Breakdowns for Breakfast. I am your host, Danger, and joining me is not my breakdown bro or my compatriot in composure, but Monster. Say hi, Monster. <laughs> Good morning. And, you know, I don't mind breakdown bro. It's, it's endearing. I kind of like it. Breakdown bro might be fitting for this record. So it's a bro heavy kind of record. It is. It is. It very much so is. I would describe this as summertime bro. Kinda, but we'll we'll get into it. Yeah, we'll we'll get into it. So we are talking about Head PE's 2000 album Broke. Now, Monster, why did you want to talk about this album amongst any other Head PE album today? They they have several. Um, they do have several. I I think for a lot of casual fans, this is the album that if you know anything by Head PE, it's off of this record. They had a debut a couple years before this, and this was the one that, no pun intended, kind of broke them a little bit into slightly more mainstream. After this, they went on a huge tour of over a year long, and they toured with all kinds of bands. And that's actually part of the reason I liked them so much is I saw them in 2000, right after this record came out on the Kings of the Game tour with POD, Linkin Park, and Project 86. And Head P was fantastic. I, I, I loved it. A lot of energy. I liked the mix of rap and punk and metal. It is definitely a new metal record for sure, but I think it's a better one than a lot of other ones that got a little bit more popular. I'm wearing a Head P hat. I'm wearing a Head P shirt. I'm a fan of this band. I'm a fan of Jared, the lead vocalist. I have a lot of things to say about him as we go through this. But uh, Danger, I know you said you had heard a little bit of head P over the years. Obviously you're not the kind of fan I am. What, no. what, what do you think about head P? So head P overall is, is fine to me. They're, they're good in certain places and they're not in other places. And, you know, head P was first introduced to me as I was a teenager and traveling around with the band. And we listened to quite a bit of head P in the, in the van. And I thought it was fine. And I really haven't listened to Head P.E. a whole lot in the years after that, you know, in the 20 plus years after that, but they've always been fine to me. I've always been okay with them. I can't honestly say I've ever sat down and listened to them at length like I did when, when we decided to do this album. I can tell you I've listened to a song here or there. Now, that van that I was in, we pretty much listened to head PE and plenty of other stuff. And so it may have, the memory may have gotten mixed up with other things. And we watched uh, fight club, like, like five times <laughs> on that drive for whatever reason, but head PE was always, was always good to me. It was always fine. Yeah. But this album was <laughs> a struggle, honestly. Okay. So what I will say is that this album, almost every song has really, really good stuff about it. And they mess up every song by doing one thing, by being head PE. <laughs> now, I will say, there are songs where they are head PE, and that is where like the verses, like the intro and the verses are. And mm. the chorus is not them, and then that messes the song up. And so they mess the song up by being head PE, and then... By being themselves, they try to do something different. And so there are quite a few songs on here 
that I think would have been amazing stellar songs if they had just let the song be what it is and not try to cram too much into it. I also really think that this song, this album would be better if they would quit with the callback parts of songs where they, you know, I know that it's an audience participation thing that ends up becoming a big deal and it's a fun thing to see at shows. And so it's no surprise to me that when you saw them, it was a lot of fun because they do seem like they are a really fun band. But the uh, the the call and reply just drove me nuts on this. And I really feel like that messed up quite a few parts, quite a few the, parts of the songs. The call and response and also the uh, the occasional borrowing of a hook that yes. they do every once in a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, I've, and, and I will be honest, I've talked about this on some previous episodes. There is a nostalgia factor here because 2000, I would have been like 14, 15 years old. It was one of my first big concerts. So all the bands that played that night have a little, you know, special place for me. Right. And then as the years went on, uh, in 2015, I actually got to open for them at the time I was in a band uh, that was signed to the same record label as they were. And so I kind of weaseled our way onto the show when they came through town and I actually got to meet Jared that day and talk to him a little bit. And it, it was really cool. I got a picture with him just to shake his hand, you know, and real quick, I'm going to say Jared. It's spelled J-A-H-R-E-D. But I just listened to a podcast like a week ago interviewing him and the podcaster kept calling him Jared and he never corrected him. So I, I'm not going to say I'm not going to say Jared. I'm going to say Jared. I, yeah. I think that's that's fine. Uh, and then I actually saw him again earlier this year on the uh, New Metal Madness tour with Tantric, Edema and Crazy Town. And that's that's a whole other can of worms we can talk about another time um i remember you telling me about that when it was coming up and it was uh, it was it was uh, a handful a handful great show for the bands that did play and and participated uh edema was actually surprisingly really really good but the other thing about these bands and and head p included and another reason i wanted to do broke is because head p today is not head p on the first three or four albums the band is essentially Jared right. and over the years he's gotten different musicians. He's had the same lineup now for, I want to say five or six years. It's been pretty steady now, but that original lineup that they did the first three records with, I think was the sweet spot and they had something special. Their, their guitar players specifically Wes. And I think Chad was the other guy have a very interesting tone and dynamics between the two of them, which gives this album a little more flavor compared to a lot of their contemporaries. Um, Looking at it right now, they've had the same lineup that's uh, he's had the same uh, him and then uh, bass and drums been the same since 2015 guitar yeah. player has switched a couple times since then but he has been with them since 2001 and so yes so i uh, i you know looking at it i can see that at the time that this album came out yes they had you know kind of had the same group of guys and and yeah been making music together a bit now a couple other little bits of history about the band that may or may not you know, sway you in any way to, to like it more or less or respect Jared any more or less. 
But what I will say, doing a little research that that podcast I just recently listened to, there's also a really cool documentary on YouTube called Touring for Broke that chronolite chronol what's the word chronicles what what am I looking for here chronicles works okay goes through the tour cycle and and it has them hanging out backstage with the guys from Lincoln Park and and just it's really cool and I want to say it's really cool because they're all a bunch of young guys but Jared was actually already over 30 when they got signed so he is now touring sometimes eight ten months out of the year and he's almost 60 yep and it was very interesting in this interview not only touring but still doing this kind of music no still doing head pe he's still putting out records but when you listen to him talk about it it's very interesting because he flat out says he's got a 15 year old son and a two-year-old daughter and he flat out said i wish i didn't have to be on the road all the time but I don't have any other source of income. This is how I make money. And on the one t- one hand, he'll say he's blessed to get to do this for a living. But then on the other hand, you can hear it in his voice that he wants to be home more, you know? Yep. And I've, I've had this experience with other, especially like local musicians, regional musicians, where it's like, yeah, dude, I know you want to make it big. I know you want to do this for a living. So do I. But if that's what you count on, that's all you've got to fall back on. And when you hit 60 and you're tired and you love making music, but you have kids, you might have to spend 10 months on the road, you know? Right. I mean, I've, uh, I've listened to plenty of other older musicians that will say the same thing. Yeah. That have well-established huge careers. And, and to them, it's kind of like, I can't really justify not doing this because this right. pays for the four houses and 12 cars that we have. You know, I completely get why Paul McCartney is still doing it. I mean, oh, sure. You know, and then there's a certain level of, I want to say, addiction to to doing that and to walk out onto a stage to 10,000 people and, you know, having a great time. But then you've got your guys in smaller bands that are touring the smaller venues and aren't ever really making it to the big leagues. And I think those are the guys that are just kind of like, this is all I got. This, this is it. I don't have any other skills. And when you listen to Jared talk, he's right. He's like right in the middle of that. He loves touring. He loves playing shows. He loves being on stage, but it's all he's got. And he even says in that interview that I was listening to, I've been trying to figure out another way to make money, but I haven't figured it out yet. This is all I've got. (laughs) Well, he's probably also made a certain level of money for a long time, and now he can't go back. So True. And he is married, and he does have two kids, and that's something you have to think about, you know? Yeah. So, so So I have mad respect for him. And, and like I said, I, I saw them 23 years ago. I saw them a couple months ago. Different band, but Jared's still there, and they still throw down. They will give you a show. He probably sits down a bit more at this point. He, he's not quite as energetic as he used to be, but it's still a good show. He's still a lot of fun. Well, it's like when you know I saw a story of the year forever ago, and... Right. There you go. And I really didn't like them when I saw them the first time. I didn't like their, their live show. I, I like the album, uh, Page Avenue. But 
Then I saw them a couple of months ago, completely different atmosphere about doing it. But then, yeah. you know, between one of the songs, he was like, all right, guys, give me a minute. I'm almost 40. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they things change. Man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure knees are cracking a lot more. And, you know, they could put those sounds in their songs, but whatever. <laughs> So, but if you but if you watch that documentary on YouTube, you'll see, especially you know you know me pretty well. You can imagine me hearing that style of music with that kind of live performance, the the visual aesthetic the band had at the time, why it hooked me, and I was just in. Oh, um, I get it one hundred percent. Which actually, I wanted to ask you: Is there okay? So the hat you're wearing. Head PE, yes. and and for those of you that are not familiar with Head PE, it's a stylized, you know, layout of the name. So Head is yep. in is H-E-D in, in parentheses, and then PE is, is abbreviated. Yep. Uh, so, why? Okay, so the original name of the band was Head, and it came from Jared kind of struggling with depression, and they said something about, uh you know one of the guys noticed him kind of sulking he said man you look like you have a heavy head and they were like heavy head that'd be a cool band name and they were like let's just shorten it to head and when they got signed within like months like weeks of them being signed there was a lawsuit over the name because apparently there was another band named head so they changed it to head pe because at the time uh pe stood for planetary evolution because and we'll and there's a little bit of this in the lyrics on this record but at the time jared was really into like not necessarily astrology but like conspiracy and mysticism and alien technology and stuff Mm -hmm. and he was reading a book that discussed planetary evolution like the the earth is a living being and it evolves over time and and humans on it have to evolve too over my head no pun intended, but that was where the PE part came in. Okay, just just wondering. I've always been a little bit curious as to why. Me too. Yeah, I just recently learned that too. Okay. Um, the one other piece of uh, history that I wanted to get into before we dive into the album is these guys were signed to Jive Records. Yes. Jive Records in the late 90s and early 2000s was a humongous record label. They had Britney Spears and the Backstreet Boys. Oh, yeah. No, Jive was enormous. But I I wouldn't say that it was Jive was a record label that people knew, like Columbia or Sony Music, things like that. But the, the, uh, the acts that were signed to Jive were enormous. And so if Jive were was to sign you and put effort into you, there's a reason why. You know, they saw something. Well, that's the problem. So they got Head PE got offers from several record labels and they took the one with the most money. Yeah. Jive had the most money and they threw it at them and they said, "Oh my god, yes, absolutely." So they signed. The problem was like I just said, Britney Spears and the Backstreet Boys. They also had some rap artists and some other pop artists. They had nothing like Head PE. Yeah, no, Head PE definitely sticks out in the roster. They didn't know what to do with them. So they they had some management problems. They had some A&R problems. They weren't marketed very well. And so what happened was after this album came out, they really swung for the fences with an album called Blackout.
actually almost wanted to do that one. I, I, I think we'll come to it later. But what they did was basically took all the edge off of what head PE was. It was almost 100% clean. The lyrics were definitely not going down the rabbit holes that this album does. And the music was a little, not softer, but it was a lot more kind of cookie cutter. It bombed. It, it was a miserable failure. So Jared went super hard the opposite direction on the next record called Only in America. And and when they were recording Blackout, they were already starting to get frustrated and things with the band weren't really clicking really well. And then only in America, Jared went way off the deep end with the lyrics. He basically said, you tried to tell me to censor myself. It failed. So now I'm going to go even harder. And there is some stuff. And I've even heard him say, like, I listen back to some of my old lyrics and I just cringe. And I'm like, what are you doing, dude? And uh, that's, I think, specifically that album because he goes real hard. But then now, 2023, they have, I should have counted, something like 15 studio albums. They've got stuff that runs the gambit from Steve Miller band covers to a reggae EP to really heavy metal and, and some punk rock kind of stuff. Jared is very diverse in his vocal range and delivery. He likes to rap. He likes to scream. He's got a pretty cool voice. It has shifted over the years because he is a much older guy now than, than back in these days. But there's a lot going on uh in the history of head pe but specifically in this time frame early 2000s they're signed to jive they're they're going on tour their first album didn't do very well broke they got a song on the radio they're touring for it with pod things are looking up and that's kind of why i wanted to do this album because i feel like this captures sort of the best of head pe if you like that, great. If you don't, you don't. But, <laughs> you so, know. So they've got 13 studio albums, but they've got uh, two live albums, quite a few compilations. So they've they've got plenty of releases they've done for sure. So earlier, earlier this year, they released a cover album, which is not at all what you would expect it to be. It's mostly like they, they do a Steve Miller band cover. They do a Ramones cover. I think they do, uh, gosh, I want to say something real out of left field, like Neil Young or... uh, Jimmy Buffett or something. It's it's strange. I I hesitate to call it good, but it is interesting. (laughs) It's worth a listen. (laughs) Yes, for sure. It does have some cool moments, for sure. All right, let's jump into the album. Oh, yeah. Track one, Killing Time. Okay, so big riffs right off the bat. The lyrics in this one are aggressive. Just they come out swinging. Yes. The bass line is strong it's not a 
I wouldn't say it's super complicated bass, but it's hard to ignore. And it's got a very subtle guitar to it that has a few times that it picks up a little bit, but it really only picks up in the chorus. And that's kind of almost what's expected for certain, you know, for certain acts where it's like it's the guitar is there and then in the in the chorus they hit that pedal and they turn on the distortion and then the chorus is over, they turned off. And I so, found that to be aggressively formulaic. Well, okay, so here's the thing. As a guitar player, I like certain guitar tones. And even if it's not necessarily the best sounding, I like it when it's unique. The guitars on this record are super unique. They are in that typical drop B, drop A tuning that a lot of these new metal bands were doing. But the EQ and the distortion on it is very unique. Me personally, I think this is a great album opener because it gives you everything that Head P is going to give you on this album. It's got those heavy guitars. It's got the hip hop beat. Jared comes in with this like he's got a little bit of this swagger that a lot of these other rappers in these metal bands could not pull off. Like I think about bands like lesser bands like Reveille and Primer 55 that were very rap and scream heavy. I haven't heard those they, in a while. <laughs> we could do those albums. I'm very familiar with all that too. I'm not but Jared, saying that I want to just that I haven't <laughs> heard them in a while. But no, but Jared has a certain level of confidence in his delivery that even when he says stuff, that's a little silly, you sort of just go with it because he's just got this like, all right, man, if you say it, I go with you, man. But uh, speaking of the lyrics, you've got lyrics that cover like misogynistic tough guy nonsense. Yes. You've got stuff about, (laughs) (laughs) you got stuff about drugs. You got stuff about prophecy and conspiracy theories. And Hey, that's going to be the topics of most of the songs on this album. So I, I like this a lot. I, yeah, everything about this is right in my wheelhouse. I mean, it, it is a good opening track for this album because you're right. It does pretty much give you everything that the, the rest of the album is. Although I will say that there are quite a few sounds that are not in this song, in this this opening song, that are in other ones. And so they do mix it up quite a bit more, but it's like this opening track gave you the new metal aggression that they were going to be bringing to different points. And something that you mentioned earlier, peek behind the curtain, we had a little bit of technical difficulty, so now I don't remember if you said this on the first time or the second time, but you mentioned something about, like, new metal like summertime yeah so uh there's there's a few tracks on here that have kind of a summertime reggae beachy feel in certain parts and okay I, and i don't feel like it was a bad sound that they were actually pulling at that time and it kind of worked at at those points and i that's where i kind of felt like it was more in the summertime bro category and i think that was the first time we tried to record so i wanted to bring that up though because i actually disagree with you on later records they do really embrace the reggae and that vibe a little bit more 
But on this particular album, most of these songs, not so much on Killing Time, but on some of the later songs, you do have this bounce and upbeat and you're having a good time. But if you listen to the mix and you listen to the the little extra synthy stuff in the background, there's this weird darkness that kind of hovers below the surface on most of these songs. And it almost gives it like a nightclub party more than like summertime beach party. You know what I mean? A summertime nighttime beach party <laughs> let's okay. just go to the next song <laughs> I, I just felt that on on a few of these so all right jump into the next song track two waiting to die featuring east bay ray i don't know I who don't- east bay ray is I don't know either, and I didn't know that until I saw it on the Wikipedia. It's not written on the album anywhere. It's not written on Spotify anywhere. So I don't, I don't know. That might have been a DJ or a producer. I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I'm not sure. I mean, the uh, um, it's you're right. It's not on Spotify, which was I do think was a strange thing because the featureings do pop up on the next song. But I don't. Oh think yeah. He, I don't know who East Bay Ray is, and I don't really feel like he added anything or took anything away here so uh, the opening verse is punchy aggressive and fun i will give yes. it that the distortion of the chorus turned up you know yeah elevated vocals it worked there is a subtle dj and he gets a lot heavier in the bridge that yes i really like the bridge of this song Mm-hmm. The rest of the song is just a cool, fun, aggressive track, I guess. I did think it was neat how the chorus got increasingly more aggressive as the song yeah, went on. Yeah. I thought that was a, kind of a neat thing that it was like, as the song went on, it got bigger. But it was fine. I mean, it's a song about everyone dies. <laughs> So again, so you've got this like upbeat party vibe, but the lyrics are very much about Jared just saying, you know, I'll do whatever I want. I'll drink till I pass out. I'm, you know, who cares? Everybody dies. And it's like, that's not what Limp Biscuit was saying. You know, Limp Biscuit was, was saying, hey, we're going to party and live forever. We're having a great time here. And Jared's like, yeah, we're having a great time. But I mean, you know, we're all going to die. So whatever. And it's like, ooh, hold on a second. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and, and he's got a point. Well, he, he's not wrong. Uh, and just to address the elephant in the room here real quick, this album has a lot of bad words on it. But you wouldn't know that from listening to it on Spotify. Okay, so I had trouble listening to the YouTube version because you told me that the Spotify version is edited, which it is. And so yes. I had trouble listening to it on, on YouTube because... As I'm doing stuff, one of the things I like about Spotify is it just plays. Right, right. As I listened to it on YouTube, on my phone, my phone kept going to sleep because it would be over and it wouldn't play the next, and, you know, or, like, I'd get caught in, like, uh, I don't know, 12 ads or whatever, and it's like... I'd, you sort I'd, of lose you sort of lose the vibe of the record when every four minutes you get a dog food ad. I mean, right. it definitely right. doesn't help. But right. I will say, like, this is a really good example of the song's lyrics are... It's hard to listen to the edited version on a couple of these songs. Yeah, 
There's, this, is there's, this is an example of that. Yes. Killing time, he actually changes some of his words. Like, he did the verses differently, which that's not that uncommon from this era. But, like, on this song, they literally are just cutting words out. And it really messes up the flow. Because he has a really neat flow in the verses. It's kind of rap, but he's got this, like, growl to his voice that's kind of interesting. But there's a lot of F words. And so when you're rapping real fast and you're chopping those out, it, it just feels a little funky. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I didn't feel the need to try to rap along to it. And, you know, we did kind of turn around to do this one kind of quick compared to, you know, when we recorded our last one. And I don't really feel like any part of this entire album was anything that I felt like I needed to jump in on. What do you mean? Like it just it wasn't grabbing you? Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah I got you. it didn't grab me to where I felt like I needed to, you know, sing along. Just wasn't there. So, speaking of singing along, let's talk about track three, Feel Good. Commendation coming, ready or not, it's on again. It's time to say your prayers again. It's not the end, just the beginning of the end. What You had mentioned a minute ago the features. This one features a couple of pretty interesting people. You have Morgan Lander from the band Kitty. And you have Surge Taken from System of a Down. Is it Tankian or Tankian? I've heard it pronounced both ways, so just uh, just curious. Anyway. I've always called him Surge because I'm scared of the last name. <laughs> that's, that's fair. Okay, tell me about this song. So this is another good example of what I said before. The song is called Feel Good, and the hook is basically Surge from System of a Down saying, we just want to feel good. But when you listen to the verses, they're mostly rapped, and it has this like dark vibe to it blood and revelation was all true you drew first blood jesus is coming to take you coming to break you make you just like you satan laughing spreads it's it's hip-hop it's got the groove but it's got these extra little synth notes in the background that just give it this real darkness to it so basically jared raps the verses then morgan from kitty does this really heavy scream kind of pre-chorus and then they all kind of sing together on the hook it's it's pretty cool. Like it's got a neat dynamic to it. And if you're a new metal fan, you like Kitty, you like System of a Down. So seeing them here is kind of neat. Yeah. I was kind of excited to see what Surge was gonna bring to this because I do like Surge. I do like System of a Down. And I felt Surge's insertion was awkward. I felt like it, he was just kind of stuck there. So System of a Down now has a little bit of this all that surrounds them like I, I just saw the the lineup for sick new world and they're one of the headliners mm -hmm. whereas back in the late 90s early 2000s when system was kind of first getting started they were the weirdos yeah. they were like the super strange new metal band that like yeah we like them but they're the opener because if they play more than seven songs people are going to freak out and so at this time Having Surge on your record doesn't mean 
what it does now. Yeah. You know, they didn't have that clout yet. But I agree. He's got such a unique, weird voice he does. that you would expect a little bit more. Right. Given the opportunity. It's just such a short thing. And yeah. it's like there's no warm up to him. It's like he's just kind of awkwardly placed in there because I guess Serge and Jared were friends. And it was like, hey, come sing on my album. And honestly, I don't feel like Morgan uh, Lander really added much of anything to it that they couldn't have done already. It's, yeah. It's a mid-tempo new metal track that has a repeating keyboard. And uh, the synth you're talking about in the background, yeah. it's just a repeating thing. It doesn't change anything. It And keyboard does what I've mentioned before, and I'll mention it again over and over. But keyboards kind of fill in the empty spaces between, you know, between little places there in, in songs. So I, I'm a fan of keyboards. I'm a fan of, of any instrument that can do that. And that's, you know, stringed instruments and things like that. But I don't feel like it really gave anything here. Bass is heavy on this one. I'm cool with that. Yeah. I do like the little hip hop drum machine intro. But overall, this one just kind of felt very disjointed to me. I can see that. I can see that. The verses and the hook sort of have a different vibe. Very for much sure. So. And um, that's actually the case for a couple songs on here where yeah. I I feel like I feel like there this album is made up of smashing songs together where they like this part of this song and they like this part of this song and they said, okay. We really like these things. We think they would sound good together. And I feel like the album being called Broke is because they broke other songs to put together new ones. Uh, so the the album title actually came from they released their first album. It did nothing on the Billboard charts. They toured. They just they blew through all of their money and they were literally broke and they were a little bit salty when they went in to record this one. And that's part of sort of the darkness of the record is they were all kind of feeling a little mean spirited as they were writing it. Um, I get that. something else. I, I can, I can get that. Something else to piggyback off of what you just said real fast is this album was produced by a guy that goes by the moniker machine. And if you look up his credits, he's done a lot of big pop records and big rock albums. This was head P's first time going digital and they did a lot of that. Okay. Here's let's do the chorus a couple times. Okay. That was the best take of the chorus. Cut, paste, cut, paste. Yeah. Okay. Play that riff. Okay, that sounds good. Cut, paste, cut, paste, cut, paste. Which is not that uncommon now, but back in like late 90s, early 2000s, that was a little bit of a newer thing. So part of that like repetitive sort of thing is because they were, they were locking it in and then cut and paste. And that sort of those drum machines and stuff, like you said, that's why they're so kind of like steady throughout. So, I mean, I can get, I can get down with the drum machine, but that cut and paste when it was first coming around around this time, I think that that's why a lot of things sounded very formulaic and very just straightforward and beat itself into your head. Because yeah. that's what it was. And I, 
you know, we talked about it on the Closure in Moscow album where you could tell, the, you know, they were playing all in the same room. They they laid down right. the, the whole song and then retracked the drums and retracked the guitar and whatnot. And that's the type of album that I really enjoy more is when you could tell that it's everything is being played instead of being copied and pasted. When when you get into these style, these types of bands, the the rap rock genre, yes, new metal, but specifically rap rock, a lot of times you have kind of different flavors of that. And Head P, especially on this album, is more rap. Yes. And then the rock is like on top of it. So you have that like steady hip hop beat that stays pretty much consistent from start to finish and then the instrumentation is what kind of colors the rest of the song whereas you know you got some of your other bands like Limp Bizkit that's a lot more of a rock band that just adds the hip hop elements later on so I think that's kind of where that sort of hypnotic head nod comes from is this is sort of rap first rock second yeah and I have no issue with with rap if it's done right but i think it's when i think it's the bands where they put rap first is where i have a little bit of an issue when they're you know parading as a rock band you know that's where i have a little bit of a disconnect on it now we've talked about this before too being them live it definitely colors some of that oh yeah because i'm sure they're great live i'm sure they're a lot of fun live and honestly if if they were on a ticket for a band that I was going to see and they were the opening band, that wouldn't deter me at all. Actually, I'd be right. kind of more into it because it, you know, I'm sure it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. But moving right along, track four, Bartender. You be the center, baby. I'll be the cornerback. I get the tailback. Watch it on the playback. Just smash that, hitting that red bone. Up in the end zone, biting on the collarbone. Just watch your company. This is a fun song. It is. This is actually a standout one on this album to me. This, to me, sounds like if Sublime did a new metal song. And and I'm good with that. I actually really enjoy it. Not far off. Yeah. Yeah, you're where, not far off. This is where the, the summer uh, the summer beach time music part of it really came from. Fun guitar. Fun yeah. lyrics. It opens calm with a great bass line and then just picks up into the song. And it, this is a standout track on this one. This is actually one that I would listen to on a, you know, throw on a like playlist and let it go in the rotation. So this is the first example on this record of what I like to call slightly borrowed hooks because the, the, the hook of the song, he says, I just want your company. which is almost exactly uh, another song, which is, uh, what, what is it? What is the one I'm thinking of? I, I, do I my, just want to celebrate, but I don't remember. There it is. Yeah. I don't remember who it is, but that's what it is. And I wouldn't say that slightly borrowed. I would say <laughs> they heard that and they said, we're going to use that here. And if it works, it works. 
I'm 90% sure that the original artist has a writing credit on, on the song because, because they, they knew what they were doing. <laughs> but um, this, I'm curious about that. I didn't even think about looking that up. So I want to look at that now. Otherwise I'd probably just skip right past it, but I am quite curious. So um, this is about as close to having a hit as they ever got. This was on MTV. They do. <laughs> yes. Okay. I had a feeling. Okay. Um, and probably the next song too. But uh, again, this was about as close to a hit as they ever had. This they had a video for this on MTV. It was in, it was on a a movie soundtrack. Uh, I can't remember the movie now, but that got it a little more traction. I did come and, across yeah. that at one point. I didn't keep that note, uh, but yeah. I know what you're talking about. And and this is this is still a, a staple of the live show. This this is still one of the key songs. This is a great song. Like in in the pantheon of new metal bangers that everybody thinks of, this should be in there because it is it's a damn funky cool song. Yeah, it's a it's a fun one. I recommend this song off of this album. This is the standout song on this album to me. The best song here. Uh, this was just fun one and i'm going to stick to it sounds like if sublime made a new metal song you know it's more sublime in the chorus new metal in the uh or excuse me more sublime and the verses new metal in the chorus, right. and it works together it that that transition worked on this one so all right and then you go to the next song <laughs> track five called- crazy legs one kind of goes off the rails a little bit (laughs) all right i liked i like the intro on this one crazy legs (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) really good really strong intro and then it's got a cool like everything goes downhill after seven seconds (laughs) (laughs) it's got this really cool choppy beat that somehow when jared raps on top of it it doesn't lose the flow. Like he's not really rapping in time to the beat. It's very jagged, but somehow it still kind of flows. I like this song, but I will not try to defend the lyrics. They are, they are bad. So this one kind of sounded to me like if you got a friend that's a fast talker and there just (laughs) happens to be music on that kind of fits to what they're talking or like how they're talking, with a little bit of records, with a lot of record scratching, not a little bit, a lot of, I checked out on this one. This one just, I had a hard time sticking with this one because again, great intro, seven seconds downhill. And it was like, it was like the rest of the song was just a smashed new metal record scratch mess. So if songs like Bartender endear you to the Linkin Park, Deftones, Corn Crowd, this endears you to the insane, insane clown, insane clown posse, okay. cotton mouth kings crowd. Yeah, this is it gets a little bit like over the top silly with some of the lyrics. This is one that I remember listening to as a kid and like playing it for friends just for shock value because of the lyrics. Um, I do like the groove. I do like the music, but the lyrics are a little bit, a little bit cringy. Yeah, everything about this one was cringy to me after seven seconds. 
Um, <laughs> it's like as soon as he starts making noise, as soon as he starts making sound, it's just it's over for me. And, and I'm not going to quote it, but the first line of this song is just absolutely atrocious. It's, this song is almost impossible to listen to on Spotify because it is so chopped up and there's so many there's parts where he'll say like four cuss words in a row and it's just silence and it's weird. Maybe that's and part of where I had trouble with this one. Maybe. Honestly, this is one of this one and, and one or two more coming up are really hard to listen to the edited versions because they're so they're so edited that it's weird. I actually didn't have a whole lot of trouble listening to it on Spotify. It really I, I didn't lose out on on the feeling of it by listening to it through Spotify. That's fair. I don't feel like I would have gained anything by making a point to listen to it, uh, to those specific songs on YouTube. Because like I said, I did try to, but it was just the ads and my phone kept going to sleep. No, I got you. Yeah. 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 And, um, unless I'm going to sit there and skip ads on my phone, which just takes attention. And that's the one thing I don't have in my life is attention. <laughs> And and we talked about this off mics, but I have a physical copy of this. I had it when it came out in 2000. I still have that copy of it. And so I've heard these songs so many times that I didn't necessarily have to go deep dive to be familiar to do this episode. I did just to do my due diligence. But like, I'm more familiar with most of these songs than probably most people are. I know Which, that we're at the end of track five, but you talked yeah. about having an extra copy of it. I do want to just take a quick minute to talk about while the convenience of streaming is great, there is nothing like going into a record store and looking and browsing and then getting a CD, getting an album, getting uh, whatever, and then going home and then sitting down and listening to it and reading through the booklet and seeing the liner yep. notes and all that. That was so much fun. I miss that time period in our life that we'll never have back. So nope. anyway. All right, let's talk track six, Pack Bell. This, this might be my least favorite on the album. Yep. Sampled intro. It was cool. Um, yeah. You could tell that this is a... Like Jared wanted to make a hip hop song here. Yes, this is yeah. Wanted, this is a dark hip hop song. His uh, I only could only describe it as disgruntled vocals. Yeah, um, I like that. And his disgruntled ma vocals made it hard to enjoy when he makes sound. Everything else in yeah. the song is fine. They're like I like everything when he's not making sound, but he just ruined it. I, I like that they basically use like old dial tone and yeah, touch cool. pad key tones as like the basic structure of the song. Uh, yeah, I agree. I don't think Jared's voice is particularly good on this song. The lyrics are kind of sounds like a failed relationship and i think that's where that disgruntled kind of uncomfortable tone comes from so his vocals sound like okay you ever got the wind knocked out of you and it's yes. like it's like when you're just starting to be able to talk again it's like that's where he was rapping in like that that sound like that <laughs> 
I, I usually you put the sound clips in in post production, like during the editing, but you just went ahead and put it in right there yeah. live. That yeah. was I, fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, you don't have to listen to the song after that because that's what he sounded like in, in that. Yeah. Um, so, so doing so many of these episodes, something oh, I was that I was right <laughs> and I flipped over the handlebars and yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nailed it so doing so many of these albums something we've talked about is the track listing and what i've started to notice even on albums that i loved i wasn't paying it you know as analytically charged as we are here yeah that middle song where you slow it down that's what this is but to me it almost sounds like it could have just been an interlude that they were like man this is dope let's just make it into a song i am going to 100 percent agree with you if they had just given me an interlude of the background sounds happening here those dial tones those beeps and yeah things, i would have been all in for it i actually think that, that would have been a really cool little interlude the it's almost like they were playing like messages on a tape mess uh, like answering machine and it was cool it worked it worked yeah so, so then go into track seven. I got you. This, this for me is one of my kind of jams. Like it's got that bounce. It's got that groove. His voice in the verses, I, I'm going to call it hip-hop crooning it's got this like sort of wrapped but he's almost got like a little bit of a loungy thing going on and then when the chorus kicks in it's just it pummels you with this groove I like this one a lot. This one, this is in my wheelhouse a lot. I like this and you don't, and that's fine. <laughs> okay. So it's not, not the best intro. It's very gross. Very oh, I like that words, But it's like they're, it's not grunge sounding. It's like a band trying to sound like a grunge band. And then it drops out, only to be heard again in the in the the chorus, where he sounds like he's trying to sound like the guy from Monster Magnet. And well, okay, and everything in between is. Those new metal high tones, those pings, those, uh, the, the, yeah, I don't know, big sound, and uh, the guitars give this one a big sound, but this is one of the least interesting tracks here. Oh God, this song is so much fun. I don't know what you're talking about. I love this song. It's, I, I, I do think that I got you, I got you, yeah, I got you. That's one of those like oh, the hooky oh. things that get stuck in your head when he's trying to be monster magnet. Cool. I never thought of that before, but now that you're saying it, I can kind of hear it. And I don't like that. You did that to me. Um, I still like this song. I don't care. No, I think this is that's fun fine. One. That's fine. I mean, you know, there have been quite a few times here where we have said things to each other that 
that that should ruin a song for us, but we just we don't let it, and that that's cool. That's cool. And the next time you listen to it, you will hear the Monster Magnet vocals on it. You will. And and you know sometimes after we do one of these albums, I'm like, get this out of here. I don't want to. You know, I'm done. But no, I I listen to this all the time, so I will. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yep, you'll come across that. So all right, let's talk about track eight. Boom. How you like that? Motherfuckers just like me Grew up just like me Fucked up just like me Wake up late up watching BET Fucking baby's mamas from Jersey to Cali Don't get mad, get high, go get even Go get your shit back, then tell that line Let me guess This is another one that I think is really fun And has a great beat and groove And gets stuck in my head And you think is stupid So, okay This is a (laughs) fun song that you okay. can tell Jared wanted it to be a hip hop song. It is, you know, it is definitely hip hop inspired. The guitars really drive this song. The guitars yeah. are good here. I it this it's it's here where I get tired of the call and response deal. The call and response on this one just like it it ruined this one for me. This could have been a really, really cool, really good hip hop track, but the chorus ruined this one. Yeah, so so basically the song is going, he's rapping, and there's a a very, very funny line that I am not going to repeat. I just can't in good conscience that ends with boom, how you like that? And it kicks into this gnarly guitar riff, and it's it's really cool. But then the last, I don't know, two minutes of the song is him saying, you know, like you said, a call and response where he's saying, you know. Where my ladies at? Uh, my white boys, my my dogs. Like, and then he starts calling out like different cities and stuff, and it goes on forever, it and it's very silly. I agree, it gets a little silly by the end of the song. I, I like I like the the bulk of the song, but yeah, that part does start to kind of wear on my nerves. So, I mean, this was this was not a bad track here. If the chorus wasn't the way it was, and the dr- and the the call and response just had been cut let's just say by three quarters and yeah you know it was really dragging out there to the point of like we're we're still here we're still doing this why yeah why are we, it's this this song was three minutes and 57 excuse me three minutes and 56 seconds long i'm gonna go ahead and say that at least uh two-thirds of that was call and response and it's not necessary it's not needed it's not necessary it makes you wonder when bands do that are they really just having trouble coming up with lyrics for the song? Well, I remember in 1999 on Significant Other, Limp Bizkit had this track that was literally every verse was Fred naming different cities and making funny little rhymes about each city. Campbell got lost in Boston looking for the tea party. Met a child molester in Rochester. I need a Kleenex every time I'm leaving Phoenix. I get silly when I play a Philly. I've heard other songs that do that too. And I think they were trying to capture that spirit. And by having like all the gang vocals and different pitches and different tones, they were at least trying to make something cool out of it. And I think it just comes across as a little bit meh. Yeah. So I'm not against eight, but let's talk about nine swan dive. Oh, I don't know. Nothing can be better than 
right. This is go on, go on. Well, <laughs> I was just gonna say this is another one that's kind of a fan favorite. It has a little bit of a similar vibe to Bartender, where you have these kind of smooth, clean guitar verses and then heavier uh, choruses. The difference is Bartender is singing about going to the club and meeting girls. And this one is about taking a swan dive into the asphalt. (laughs) So, okay. This actually is where I feel like, okay. So uh, Bartender was more of the sublime summertime beachy feel that I was really, really digging, really getting down with. And I'm a big sublime fan myself, but this one I felt like was where the jazz influence came into things. Sure. And absolutely. It was a neat move. I felt like it was, you know, a hip hop jazz song. And I thought it was an interesting thing. I didn't think it was bad, but I didn't think it was great. We get, you know, guitars, you know, kind of breaking things down a little bit, just kind of giving it some grit. But, you know, we're, we're back with the callbacks, the call and response on this one. It's not as yeah, a little bit eight. yeah. It's not as in the bridge, eight. but you we come out of track eight where we get a super amount of it, a just crazy amount, and then I get some more here. Oh, and then to also add that intro is cool, but I don't need his little laugh in there. I don't I don't need him I don't need him inserting himself into places that he's not needed. But then I I felt like this was where we really got that maybe he was upset that he didn't get called back when he made a very important call because he's getting plenty of responses whenever he calls out something here. Because Stop it. Like I was all in on this song. I was Stop good with it. it. I was good with it, but that ruined this one for me. Um it does have some ridiculous changes going on in this one. Yeah, but I think it's because they're trying to really pull in some jazz influences here. So, you know, and and again, I think this is another one where I'm saying, like, you've got the kind of jazzy, smooth verses. But there's still like this little thing, like hovering right beneath the surface that makes it a little dark. And then obviously the lyrics on this one are also pretty dark. Yes. So you've got that party vibe. but also not like there's there's this weird thing going on you know we talk about albums that aren't like concept records but they have a vibe and i feel like this album for as many different things as they're throwing out there and you know you got your bouncy songs you got your smoother songs some screaming some rapping there's still kind of this vibe this through line that that connects it all together yeah and i don't really have a big problem with swan dive i will say that it was a good intro until he made a little bit like I don't need him in there. I think it oh, I like the little laugh. I just I, endearing. I don't feel like it was neat. I feel like it kind of like hiccuped and kind of caused a little bit of a disruption where it was like, you know, kind of felt it a little bit. And then that happens. Eh, OK, we're out. And then the callbacks on this one, he really needs to stop it. I don't really remember it as much on any of the ones after this, which I'm cool with. But yeah, we come off of eight, which is a callback heavy song into this yeah and you know it kind of threw it off for me but i was digging the jazzy parts of it yeah now track 10 stevie i know just what you want just why you looking at me baby i got just what you want baby i got just what you want 
is one that even when I got the album felt a little filler to me. This is one that I the lyrics are kind of silly and I, I feel like Jared's having fun. Basically, the joke of the song is, you know, this this girl's like doing him wrong. And he's like, obviously, I can see what you're doing. I'm not Stevie Wonder. Like he's saying, I'm not blind to what you're doing, which, OK, that's funny and all. But musically, it's kind of weak. Vocally, it's not his best performance. This to me is kind of kind of near the bottom tier of, of this album. So I will say like there really weren't many places where I felt like I needed to go and listen to the, like read the lyrics because I felt like I got them pretty good. But a note I put here is whoever Stevie is, they pissed him off. <laughs> so it's well, he says little Stevie wonder okay. in, in the hook. So okay. that's who he's Must talking about. <laughs> but no, this was another one. Interesting changes. Uh, it felt jazzy yeah. again. And I felt kind of like that was neat. Yeah. But it felt like a jazz new metal song with uh, screaming at the end. It, it just the last minute ish. I didn't get the the time on it, but last minute ish felt very just angry and aggressive. And filler actually probably is right on this one. Now this I will give the guitars a compliment on this one because I, and I can't really describe it. Like you just kind of have to hear it, but. The guitar tone that these guys have is so unique. I know that uh, Wes was playing like an Ibanez RG and Chad was playing a Fender Strat, but they were doing it in like drop B or A and they had this weird kind of distortion on top of it. It's not the typical kind of distortion you were hearing at this time. It's... It's a lot cleaner, but it's still really heavy. So I do like the guitar throughout the entire record. But this song, like I will, I will say the one thing that I do really like is there is this like do, 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 do kind of riff. And with that guitar tone, it's pretty cool. I like that part. Okay. So you've only mentioned the lead singer, Jared, his name uh, before this. So I did think it was interesting how everybody else was credited on this, how their names mm -hmm. are, are stylized. So yeah, Wes, the lead guitarist, his name on here is West style. And that's W E S S T Y L E. And mm -hmm. then Chad, the other guitar player is Chad, AKA Chizad. <laughs> C -A yeah, Chizad. A D. And then, I think the most interesting here is the DJ of the band is DJ product copyright 1969. <laughs> <laughs> and he was wild, dude. When I saw them live, he, he sort of had a, a little bit of a Rob zombie aesthetic. He had like a big coat and like a long beard and stuff. And he would like skateboard around the stage cool. in between, like when he wasn't doing something, you know? Yeah. Cool. Cool. All right, let's jump into track 11. Jesus of Nazareth. I can't figure it out. So this one to me felt like they wanted to kind of try doing sort of a nine inch nails 
little bit of an industrial thing. Yep. It's really dark. It is. Especially in the verses. Yep. Oh, where'd everybody go? I know I'm losing, but I don't know what to do. Sweet Jesus, make it go away. Mary Joseph, what should I say? What do I do? When I was alone, you just I I've heard this song a hundred times and I'm still not exactly sure what he's trying to say. The lyrics are very much like everything scares him and then Jesus, you know, make everything all right. No, but he also, no, not everything, everything. All right. (laughs) Everything. That was so damn distracting on this one. The chorus, the the line, make every ting all right. Ah, it, it drove me nuts on this one. Now, now I will say this is not one of my favorite songs on the record, but it might have my favorite line, my favorite lyric of the album, where he says, "I know my limitations. I just don't know when to quit. I know when I'm addicted, but nah, I can't get enough of that shit." That's I don't know why, but I think that just knowing knowing his history as well with substance abuse and alcohol abuse and stuff, it's like that's that's pretty powerful kind of line, you know. So okay, I felt like on this one he was using religion to talk about addiction, and that's yeah. what I got out of it. You're right; it is a very dark song lyrically, uh, musically darker than other spots, but. I that make every ting all right just really threw it <laughs> off for me, and it felt like it was kind of a a new metal leaning into like the industrial sort of thing, and everything except for the rap section and chorus is good on this one. Like the verses, the intro was great, but the that make every ting all right, um, <laughs> you know, I have trouble saying that without trying to emulate like just without even trying. Um, the how he says it in there but similarly there is one part where it gets a little choppy in the in the bridge and he sort of raps for a minute and he says i've been drinking i I don't mind that part but he says i've been drinking way too much jägermeist and he doesn't say jägermeister he stops on the meist so it'll rhyme and i'm like ah don't do that like, yeah. i feel attacked yeah say the whole word <laughs> yeah that's uh that that one maybe that was what threw me off on that one but you know i got that it was a jägermeister reference and all and you're right yeah that's fine but um yeah everything on this one except for the little rap section and the chorus was good uh, i actually don't have a problem with this one except yeah, for that it, but that ruined the rest of it to me so well and I like this one just fine. It is, it's darker, but it doesn't feel out of place. I think it goes on a little bit too long. There's, it's sort of like they kind of do this thing at the end where it builds a little bit and builds a little bit, but it kind of, I don't know, it it starts to get repetitive. Cool song, but not one of my favorites. All right. This is the longest song on the album at five minutes and 35 seconds. Longest song on the album. So I'm going to agree with you. It does feel like it goes on a bit longer. It does, yeah. But it's the longest song on the album, except for track 12, The Meadow, Special Like You. Special 
Now, but I, that's for a different reason. Yes, I say that because it's nine minutes and thirty-one seconds. But they actually do something here that a lot of albums don't do anymore. Is it's got a hidden track, <laughs> and yes, and and honestly, I didn't even pay attention to how long it was when I first was listening through this, and it yeah. just I kind of felt like it was done, and it was over. Nope, there was there was more. There was more. So, so, so first the song itself, the meadow. Let's talk about the this. Song. This is a super chill, super laid back kind of song. There is a little acoustic guitar in this one. It's it's I like that they ended the album on something like this because you've been so heavy and so dark throughout. You go out on something that's kind of a little bit of a breath of fresh air. It's still a little dour when you listen to the lyrics, but it has a almost kind of like Jesus of Nazareth. It doesn't sound out of place, but it sounds pretty unique to the rest of the record. Yeah. It sounds like something closing. And I actually enjoyed this one. I don't have a lot to say about the song because it just felt like it was closing and it was coming to an end. Mm -hmm. And so it does. You know, we've talked about in the past that a good closer should close the album out, and it does that. But it doesn't sound like anything else, and so it's a good closer, but I don't know if it's a good closer for this album because it is so different from everything else. It's kind of a a, a hard place for me, a hard thing for me to put my finger on. Is it good or is it good? Does that make sense? Yeah, I I know what you're saying. And on their next record, they sort of embrace this a little bit more because, again, like I said at the top of the episode, their next record, they tried to get super polished and cleaned up to kind of go mainstream and it, it kind of failed. But I think this one feels more genuine. From what I've seen and heard, uh, I've actually listened to some podcasts with Chad and Wes talking about this album and other head PE stuff. This, I think, started with Chad, and he was real proud of this. Like, he was real excited to to try to put something to this. And Jared went through a couple different types of vocal deliveries, and this is where they landed on. And I think it, I agree with you. This is a good closer. It It's mellow, but it's not slow. It still has kind of a hip-hop beat to it. He's not rapping, but he's he's, you know, there's a little bit of gruff to his voice. And it ends with just a little bit of a jam. But it doesn't go on for too long. And and I think that's that was appropriate. Like I, I I like this song a lot and I think it's a good closer. And I don't know if you if you know what this song is about, but I thought it was actually kind of an interesting thing. This song is about an African legend about elephants. And how the tribes believed elephants were immortal. And I think that's kind of a neat thing to just kind of throw in, especially after some of the content of this album. It, it was just a fun little little ditty. Yeah, there's a cool little spoken word section in the middle with a, yeah. a female talking that kind of explains that. And yeah, I, I agree. I think that's kind of cool. Then you get a couple minutes of silence. Yes. And then, and I think this was a genius move, personally. They end the album with about, I don't know, two, three minutes worth of studio outtakes. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. it's mostly Jared, but you can hear some of the other guys talking and stuff. 
they're all laughing. They're all having a good time. Serious. Go, serious. <laughs> 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 now I'll never be able I'll never. It's Jared trying different things in the vocal booth. Some are stupid. Some are, he's just, his voice is cracking and stuff. In a fight with your man, but I've got nowhere else to go. They made the <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. But I've got nowhere else to go. They made the world. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> And they're just they're cracking up and given how like i said this album has this like darkness vibe to it for me i like that they ended it with this moment of levity yeah it it was a fun little thing that felt very disjointed and not serious it kind of felt like it started as almost like more of this this last song and then you kind of get where he cuts it and you know you do hear him talking and laughing and so it's a moment of levity after yeah the rest of this this album that's been very heavy at times but i will and say i will say the hidden track here felt 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 i don't, I don't know where that came from but field it, it field very much like the rest of the album disjointed like I said, to me, this is a this is a vibe record. There is this there is this undertone of darkness and depression that hides right below the surface, because even when you're bouncing and you're grooving and you're singing songs about partying and women and all this stuff, you can hear the stuff about not just I'm drinking because I want to have a good time. I'm drinking because I have to. I you know, there's parts where he's you know, literally saying, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do this anyway. Um, kind of, like so I kind of like what you're talking about. He, uh, he says, I don't want to be on the road anymore, but I have to. Right. Right. And so I like that for a couple seconds, Elmas is like a palate cleanser. We're going to give you guys a minute or two of us screwing up in the studio. Yeah, and I mean again, as, as a musician who has been in the studio and been in situations like that, where it's like, you got, you got just a couple parts. You got to get down. It's two o'clock in the morning. You're tired. You want to go home. You're messing up. And it's just, you start getting the giggles and yeah, I, I don't know. Like I, I like that. It ended with that. I really did. Yeah. I would like to ask you. Hey, hey good looking. What's the cooking track on here? What's the song that you enjoyed, you know, while you're flambeing your head bobbing to something? I'm going to go back to, to Bartender. Bartender was just a good track. Yes. Flambeing. I haven't flambeed anything in, <laughs> I've, like once ever. It's scary having flames shoot up. Yeah. No, flambe is is not something I do. Anyway. Fair enough. Uh, and what's new with you? <laughs> well, this whole album is, basically. <laughs> um, but if I had to pick one song, I guess just for the the new metal royalty of it all, I guess I would go with Feel Good. Yes, I'm a 
because you've got Surge from System of a Down. You got Morgan from Kenny rocking on a head PE track. I mean, it don't get much more new than that, you know? <laughs> so I wouldn't say that uh, Morgan from Kitty is ro- is royalty. Maybe like the jester. And so treated it oh, better. No, I have. We might have to do a Kitty record because I have a soft spot for them. I I know they're not great, but I do really like me some Kitty. Certain albums. They've they've had a up and down career, but they've got a couple albums that I really enjoy. You can go first. All right. Whenever I see lists about new metal bands and rap rock bands that were legitimately good, I often see stuff about Linkin Park, Korn, Deftones, and the usual suspects. Head PE is rarely mentioned on those lists, and I think that's unfair. They put out some solid records in the late 90s and early 2000s, and Broke is arguably the best one. However, they had a record label that didn't know how to market them and managers that didn't always put them in the best case scenarios. I feel like after Broke came out, the band had a real chance to become more mainstream and some decisions were made that kept that from happening. As it is, I have immense respect for Jared and the albums he's managed to create over the years with different musicians and different musical influences. This album can be a bit of a mixed bag. There is a pretty consistent vibe of hip-hop beats, new metal guitar, and this darkness that hovers just below the surface But not every song is a classic, and some of the lyrics can be hard to defend. This album manages to be lighthearted and darkly themed all at the same time. It's not quite a new metal masterpiece, but it's better than several of their contemporaries who have gone on to have more successful careers and are held in higher esteem. 1 to 10, I'm going to give it a a 6.5. 6.5. This one mixes up sounds, sometimes a bit too much. Head PE gave us an album of good effort that many times sounds like they were try- that they were on the right path, and then that path got buddied. I feel like this is what happens when a band that doesn't know when to stop when trying to add in more. Sometimes less is more, and less could have resulted in more album sales. While Corn and Lip Biscuit dominated the scene, Head PE was always nipping at their heels. This was an entry in new metal that seems like it was trying to a bit too hard to grab the big two. I gave it a four. I understand. I don't like it, but I understand. Yep. <laughs> Thanks, I guess. All right. And, and and the thing is with Head P and and I picked this album because I feel like it is one of their more consistent outings. It's hard for me to say that it's my favorite because there's so many songs on so many records that I like by them and they've had such a long career, but I, as someone who doesn't love rap rock and new metal, coming in at a four, I I can I can see that. I guess I don't I don't hate all rap rap rock and new metal. This one I just had a hard time with. I it's, almost, it's, I, I almost gave it a three, but those <laughs> but those little bits of pretty much every song that had something going for it bumped it up. But it was yeah. like the the parts that ruined the songs just really drug this one down for me, and it felt like there were so many parts of different songs that they were jamming together to make one song. So that's fair. All right, you gave this a six point five. I gave this a four, which puts this at a five point two five. So that puts it at twenty three, right below Gym Class Heroes as Cruel School Children, which is at a five point oh, four, and right above Sugar Ray, well, right above Sugar Ray Floored at a solid five. 
Yes, it is better than Sugar Ray, but it is better than Gym Class Heroes. That is incorrect. <laughs> Not according to our, like, chiseled <sighs> in stone, this is the gospel. <laughs> oh, I, ha- I hate that so much. <laughs> All right, so uh, Monster and I have actually talked about revisiting some of the scores that we have given other albums because as we've gone through this, we have had similar thoughts to that. Uh, you know, this is better than that album. And, you know, we have talked about actually changing our scores. So uh, let us know what scores you think that albums should get. If you think we've given them too high or too low, please shoot us an email at dangerandsarge at gmail.com or reach out to us on one of our social media platforms, Facebook, X, or uh, Instagram, Danger and Sarge across all those, or shoot us a message on our Breakdowns for Breakfast Facebook page. Now, Monster, what album are we talking about next week? I believe we are discussing Devil by Chiodos uh, 2014. Is that when that came out? I believe so. I will double check okay. that. Okay, excellent. But yes, okay, cool. Little bit of advice as you go through your day to day. You ought to say sorry more often. <laughs>